Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, another episode of So There. So There. So There. So There. So There. Let me know your thoughts. So There. So There. So There. Let me know your thoughts. Why do you keep saying let us know your thoughts? Let me know your thoughts to me is a nice lead-in for So There. So there. I'm Gary Doyle of the Kramer Crassalt. And I'm Tom Karamitis with the Leo Burnett Company, and this is episode 12. And if you've listened to uh, previous episodes, and I know you and our, uh, I think our listenership is up to 11 million. If our other, if you and our 11 million listeners have listened to previous episodes, you've heard Mouth Trumpet, where we... Uh, did a little something we call mouth trumpet, which is songs made, you know, with your mouth that sound like a trumpet, hence mouth trumpet. And so the beginning, the opening was the Olympic theme uh, done on mouth trumpet. And the reason we did that is Tom and I are going to talk a little bit in the spirit of the Olympics about later in the show about some uh, competitions that we've enjoyed. Which in many ways surpass the actual Olympics, which are going on right now. They suppress the actual Olympics, except maybe, what's the, what's the name of the one where they, they ski around and they shoot a rifle? Oh, the biathlon. Biathlon. Yes. Except except perhaps biathlon, which is the most nonsensical. Winter Olympics have the nonsensical, they have the insane sports, like the death-defying crazy sports, and they have nonsensical sports like biathlon and, and uh, what's one where they scrub the, they broom the- Curling. I, curling. <laughs> Biathlon, I learned, uh, actually started as a, a, a training exercise for the Norwegian Army many years ago. That's how that event actually started. Fascinating. So there. But I will kick things off. I'll, we'll call that an Olympic teaser for later in the podcast. Whoa. I would like to kick things off with something that has troubled me. Tom Karamitis lives in a, in a subdivision. And I learned fairly early on in the subdivision that there's this, these kind of some of these bizarre rituals you have to do with your neighbors, and and they kind of they don't sit well with me. One of them is just kind of this: you're obligated to wave at people in your subdivision. If you are like within a five block radius of your house, anybody you pass, whether you know them or not, you have to wave. And I don't like that because I don't you know I don't really know them, so I feel funny waving at them. It just uh, it doesn't feel right to me. It feels disingenuous. It feels, if you will, unneighborly. But the other thing that's really troubled me lately is, is favors, favors for neighbors and how and, and, and what level of um, what level of gratitude are you supposed to show for a favor? And I will give you an example. And this is I, I, I am at odds with other people. So I I don't expect the people listening to this this podcast to agree with me. But I want to use the example of if you have a neighbor that has a snowblower, okay, I don't have a snowblower, I shovel by hand. My neighbor has a snowblower, and when it snows, a lot of times, he will go, you know, he will snowblow my sidewalk, just the sidewalk, you know, 50 feet or whatever, just one, one shot down, snowblowing the sidewalk. And when I come back in the house or somebody else notices that he's already done the snowblowing for me, People always say, oh my gosh, that's so nice of him. That is so nice of him. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I, I appreciate somebody snowblowing, but let's keep this in perspective. Because to me, 
the snow blowing is the equivalent of me doing one extra thing on my lawnmower, like 30 feet, just kind of walk another 30 feet with the lawnmower. It doesn't really take any effort. Now, if he was snow, if he was shoveling by hand, I will grant you that is an immense favor and one that is worthy of reciprocating in some way. So there. Well, we all know that Tom Karamidas is someone who fears his neighbors, who does not wish to interact with his neighbors. I don't think this is subdivision behavior. I think it's a little bit of Tom Karamidas fear of, of neighbors complex. Perhaps. Perhaps. A, a, a lot of my neighbors are of the, the, the guys, you know how guys will stand around a lot of times, they'll have a beer in their hand and they'll either talk about college football or cars. And that's, I've never been able to be comfortable in that world. That, that, always, that always has felt odd to me. In fact, whenever we've gone to social functions in the neighborhood, I tend to hang out in the kitchen with the women because I find women's conversations are much more interesting than staring at the TV with a beer in your hand talking about cars or college football. I would love it if more of the men of Lake Bluff talked about cars and and sports. They tend to talk about leveraged buyouts. Uh, well, that's the difference in our neighborhoods. That's why I don't like my neighbors. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, Tom, as, as the bard Getty Lee sang in Subdivisions, conform or be cast out, my friend. Well... Yes, and I'm fighting the good fight. So far, I have not been cast out yet, and I refuse to conform. I don't think that you're. I don't think that you're. The things you're talking about are subdivision behavior. And in Lake Bluff, people all wave to each other as well. I don't wave. <laughs> I don't wave to people in Lake Bluff. Uh, but is it a half the time when they pass me in their cars? I don't know if you've ever encountered this. People will wave to you, but because of the reflection in the car, you really can't see who they are. I've had that happen to me several times. I can't see. It's just like a disembodied figure waving and I don't know who it is so I either don't wave or I kind of blindly wave back not knowing it's like when you get a text from somebody and you don't know who it is you're like yeah exactly but you don't know who you're responding to my my wave situations are usually with pedestrians people walking a dog or out for a walk and I'm in the car and they almost always wave first so I have to kind of hey <laughs> anyway uh, you know what once again it's it, it distracts and troubles Tom Karamitis just because it doesn't feel like something. It's a little Larry David-ish of me. I realize that. It's a little Larry David in all of us. Probably more Larry David in us than most people. <laughs> you know, in Lake Bluff, people, you know, people don't shovel each other's sidewalk. If somebody has a snowblower, they don't generally go and snowblow somebody else's sidewalk. It just doesn't happen. Really? So they just... They're not as nice as people in Lake Zurich. Okay. Well... Or I was going to suggest perhaps they all have private plowing services. That do that I, I mean, you, you laugh, but that is actually correct. That is actually correct. I, I think that the percentage of people in Lake Bluff who actually do their own work, whether it's plowing their driveway or, or mowing their lawn or cleaning their house, I'll bet the percentage of people in Lake Bluff that actually do that is maybe 20%, judging by the by the ads. There's a, there's a Facebook group on Lake Bluff called Lake Bluff Lake Forest Services, right? So people ask, who knows a good whatever, you know, roofer. Diamond polisher. Diamond polisher. <laughs> exactly. Leveraged buyout expert. <laughs> no, but, but it's all like, who knows a good house cleaner? I always feel like being snarky and like, uh, me? <laughs> well, it's interesting. But I don't. I resist. I resist. I What you're describing... I, uh, 
I, I feel like I probably would be more at home in Lake Bluff because I am apparently not a, I live in a, in, in, in a more upper middle class suburb, um, but I'm apparently not really a man of the people. I prefer to stay in my house and look out the window and with disdain. And, uh, I was just going to say it resent your neighbors. I think it'd be, uh, I think it'd be great to move to Lake Bluff. We can educate you about about leveraged buyouts and such. If you move to Lake Bluff, though, here's the other thing, though. You have to use exclamation points in every sentence that you use. How are you? Exclamation point. Like if you go on, uh, if you go on Lake Bluff, Lake Bluff Services, you know, I need a good, I need a good snowblower! Exclamation point. Everything, people are incapable of, I'm losing all friends in Lake Bluff right now, but people are, you know, the exclamation point is the most popular punctuation mark of them all in Lake Bluff. Everything has an exclamation point. Thanks! Exclamation point. Because they're all doing rather well. So oh, there. So, in the spirit of the Olympics, uh, I'm sure you're all watching the Olympics. Gary Doyle is watching the Olympics. I enjoy the Olympics. Uh, especially the Winter Olympics because they're insane, as I've said. Um... And, uh, and watching the Olympics inspired me uh, to think about and reminisce about some of the competitions that Tom Karamidas and Gary Doyle have had over the years. We're very competitive. I think we find competition in everything. And much like uh, curling and, uh, and uh, I always forget the, what's... Biathlon. Biathlon or, or inane winter sports. We have our own inane competitions. And uh, I think it started... Way back in maybe the 90s when Tom Karamidas and Gary Doyle were working at the Leo Burnett Company, one day we were bored and uh, the internet had just started. And there was a very primitive site on the internet called Hot or Not. Maybe some of you remember this site, but it was popular for a time. Hot or Not. And all it would be is people would post pictures of themselves and then people would vote hot or not. Or maybe would they just vote hot. Right, not not, but hot. Right, you get hot votes. So Tom and I were one day decided to post our pictures on the internet, and I think Tom won. I want to say by maybe three votes. I think he had seventy-five <coughs> people thinking he was hot, and Gary Doyle had seventy-five or seventy-two people thinking he was hot. That website's still around. I did check before we is recorded. It? Yes, it is. But you, but you you have to sign in and have an account. And really, my, my account was probably six email addresses ago. Probably yeah, so we could dig that up, those those results? Uh, perhaps. Okay. Yes. So that, that kind of, uh, that was one of the competitions we had. I think we had another one on a shoot, right? Yes, we did. Um, and, and this all kind of came out of the fact that Gary and I discovered that we had the same birthday. Uh, uh, and it's one year apart. I'm one year older than Gary Doyle, but I would say infinitely more mature. Uh, but uh, that's kind of where this whole thing started. But Gary Doyle's more talented and better looking. Yes, and lives in a nicer suburb. Uh, but w w uh, to alleviate the boredom uh, on one of our shoots, we decided to make good use of our, of our rental car and a Nerf football that we bought and invented a game called Trunk Ball, where you, you position the parked car a certain distance away, you open the trunk, and then we would each have like five throws with the Nerf ball to see how many balls you could get to stay in the trunk. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but that proved boring after a while, so then what we ended up doing was getting a third person to drive the car around the parking lot so you'd have, a, have like a moving target. 
um, which was well, infinitely more, more more difficult, but 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 great fun. The the ultimate. Uh, and this was out in the desert, right? Yes, and that was the ultimate extension of this idea. We were in the desert, um, so we 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 renamed the game. Um, uh, desert naval trunk ball, but the word naval not, has nothing to do with the navy. It was part of the wager, where the loser, and 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 picture the situation. We were in the Mojave Desert. It was over a hundred degrees. We were very gamey, if you will. It was very hot and sweaty. One person had just finished driving a car around the dusty parking lot, and the other one was throwing a football in, into the open trunk of the car driving around the dusty parking lot. And the loser in the competition had to put his tongue in the winner's navel, sweaty, salty navel. Therefore, the name Desert Naval Trunk Ball. And I remember vividly, in that one competition, I was the loser. Were you? I forgot about oh, that. Oh, yes, I remember. Is there pictorial evidence of that? No, but there was eyewitness evidence of that. And and do you remember the director who, who disdained Desert Naval Trunk Ball? He already hated Gary Doyle. Jeff Gorman? Gorman, yes. So we are shooting a commercial with Jeff Gorman, who was a popular comedy director at the time. And Jeff Gorman, safe to say, didn't like Gary Doyle. Gary Doyle would want Jeff Gorman to actually direct the commercial. And Jeff Gorman didn't like that. He was a director, but didn't actually like directing people. And so uh, after a few times of, of Gary Doyle asking Jeff Gorman to perhaps direct the actors to say the lines that Gary Doyle wrote, Jeff turned to Tom Kermitis, the producer, and said, get your writer away from me. And that was very hard for me to convey that message to you. I don't know if I actually did. I think I, I may have, I may have watered it down a little I bit. I don't think you did. I I think it may have been later that we, and it was, uh, it. I think it, it was not a surprise given Jeff's demeanor toward me. I mean, to be fair to Jeff, I mean, he's an excellent director, and and that was his style of directing people. And maybe I just wasn't uh, ready for that. So no, no, absolutely no, uh, you know, nothing on nothing on Jeff. But uh, Gary Doyle, uh, perhaps a young, headstrong, yeah, creative, exactly, and and. Uh, but it inspired us. So uh, Jeff's disdain of me for the uh, for for you know getting up in his grill, and also I think Desert Naval, Naval Trunk Ball um, inspired us to write a song. So there was a song that at the time that Tom Kermitis and I were fond of by the singer uh, Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig, thank you, frontman of the band Danzig. Then <laughs> <laughs> Danzig had a song called Mother. Probably the only Danzig song that anyone has ever would ever remember. Right. So uh, 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 we'll we'll play a little bit of Mother right now, just so you get a sense of it. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my words. What they mean, what they say, Mother. And so we took that song and, inspired by Jeff, rewrote the lyrics. Uh, to the song, and they went a little bit something like this. Gorman, <laughs> tell your rider not to walk my way. Tell your rider not to hear my words, what they mean, what they say. Gorman. He was not amused. I'm sure that shoot could not have ended too soon for him. 
But again, an excellent director. Another director that we had actually a more pleasant experience with was a director on a shoot we were in in Florida. A director was named Peter Darley Miller. And we just found his name was so musical. And anyone who has, I think, who goes by three names has to expect that people are going to poke fun at him. Uh, so we took the... Uh, the Billy was his Joel's middle name Darley, or was his last name Darley it Miller? It might have been Darley-Miller, but still, I think to hyphenate that makes a statement right there. Pretentious. Yes. Uh, but we took the Billy Joel song, um, We Didn't Start the Fire, and we created a little, a little ode to Peter Darley Miller that, well, here's, here's a little clip from Bill, the Billy Joel song. We didn't start the fire, it was always burning since the world's been turning. And so our interpretation went like this. Peter Dolly Miller didn't start the fire. It's been burning, burning since the world's been turning. Peter Dolly Miller didn't start the fire. Didn't start the fire. I, I kid you not, Gary and I haven't rehearsed that in about 25 years. So that was a little bit of podcast magic for you right there. It's like Ferris Bueller played the clarinet. Never had a lesson in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, competitions, uh, songs about director. And one of our most recent competitions, the last couple of years. Well, it's been a result of us discovering that we had the same birthday. Right. And so um, Facebook, of course, when on your birthday, one of the good things about Facebook is people send you birthday wishes and likes on your birthday. And so you have you know, any number of likes. And so this started to be a competition. We started keeping track of who got the most likes. And I believe last year, Gary Doyle won, I want to say, 176 to 173, triumphed decisively over Tom Karamitis, a route. I think this year I, I edged you by a few, but our overall count... Uh, hold on now. Well, l l let me explain. Give me, a, give me a chance. I edged you by a few. Our overall count was considerably lower, no doubt because of the fact that we had irritated people the previous year. Well, uh, probably due to the fact of this pod well, has that al too. alienated sure our friends. Didn't help. But uh, Gary and I did get into a bit of a dispute. Gary wanted to continue the count past midnight when our birthday ended because he had a few late greetings apparently in the middle of the night no doubt his relatives that he had uh, reached out to there were also panic. there were also a few like a uh, few uh um uh likes that were um on reply so so somebody would say happy birthday and then somebody would reply to that hey happy birthday gary right and so i counted that even though it was a reply and the like i counted that as a as a birthday wish, because it was a reply, but it was a birthday wish. And I think if we'd counted those, it probably was a dead heat. Okay, but here's the thing, okay? Facebook counts them for you, okay? When you go onto my, my feed, it would say 156 people wish Tom Karamitis a happy birthday. So I didn't go like you and kind of count the actual individual greetings and which if the replies counted. I just went by the Facebook count, all right? I think that should be, that should be the official tally. I think most people would agree. You can write us at... So there at yahoo.com and let us know if you agree or not. I'm sure this, these competitions are every bit as scintillating, scintillating as Sean White doing a, a double crippler <laughs> on the half pipe. 
This is uh, this will be, uh, I would be sure, the longest podcast. All right. In the future, I'll work in an intermission in the middle, but uh, we're almost finished, I, I assure you. Uh, I wanted to do one quick uh, redux of a, of a topic that we visit often, but for some reason, it's just this eternal well of just great material for, for me. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, two more, well, it's, it's under the heading of health club irritants. Uh, and, and I've discovered if you're in a hurry at the health club, there are two types of people you want to avoid. One is, People who work out in pairs, I don't understand it. They come in, they work out in pairs. They tend to do the same piece of equipment. You know, one guy will do it, then his buddy will do it, then the first guy, and then back and forth and back and forth, and, and they're, they're dominating this thing for, for half an hour. But the other one, the, little, the more insidious warning I would give you when you're at the health club is watch out for people who work out carrying a duffel bag with them. The people who have the duffel bag, who drop the bag on the, on the floor next to the piece of the equipment, they're going to be there a while. All right, this is this is a very serious thing for them, and they need a whole duffel bag of, of equipment. Who knows what's in there? Talcum powder, workout gloves, a spare jock, whatever it is. They're going to be there a while. Avoid them. Uh, I don't I don't observe either of those behaviors at my health club. Uh, the people, all the people at my health club are too absorbed and looking at themselves in the mirror to interact with another human being so i don't see very many partners and i've never witnessed the duffel bag phenomenon i have to say i've never witnessed that they're very serious the duffel bag people the duffel bag people not to be confused with the sex people and that will be a future podcast uh but the duffel bag people are very serious and they take their workouts very seriously i see And now we're going to go on to a segment that we call listener mail. Actually, we don't call it that, but... Call but it viewer mail. Viewer mail. This makes no sense, but uh, uh, viewer mail. So I got a email from, uh, from Ellie uh, who says... Uh, so a, a little back, a little context. This was uh, Gary Doyle... Um, thinking that people in an exit row should never also recline their seat when they have eight feet of leg room they should also not recline their seat on uh, on planes uh, uh, and 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 Tom Karamitis uh, felt that some people should be allowed to do that um, Ellie re- uh, sends an email that says uh, as a petite female I'm outraged by Tom Karamitis' comment on how he feels free to recline his seat if there's a petite female behind him, but not if it's a man. Um, all right. Uh, I, uh, if there had been a petite male behind me, I would have reclined. I think just, you know, uh, there are more petite females than petite males on airplanes. I just think that's, you know, I think the average male is taller than the average female. I think that's not a revelation and I did not, and I did not intend to offend Ellie. Um, uh, but yeah, I would think anybody of, of, of uh, diminished height whose knees would not be adversely impacted by my reclining action, that would, that would perhaps spur me to consider reclining. Although, as I did state in that episode, I generally do not recline. I think this Ellie person, I must say, I think she's perceptive, intelligent, and wise. And I am, I am not. 
Apparently not. I didn't say that. I could tell in your eyes. If you have, uh, if you do have viewer mail, we we love uh, we love to read everything you have to say, and as you can tell, we occasionally even read it. So please write us at so there at yahoo.com. Yahoo, the Derek Rose of email platforms, and by that I mean 2018 Derek Rose, not 2010, unfortunately. Well, enjoy the rest of the Olympics, and please join us once again for the next episode of. So, so there. there.